Well, this morning, I want to continue our revival series that we've been doing over the the last few weeks. I believe that God has spoken to me about our church being in a season of revival, and that's one of the reasons that we're praying and fasting right now. Uh, The topic that I want to speak about specifically today is audacious prayers, audacious prayers. Prayers. Come on, somebody in Melbourne right now, just say out audacious prayers. Come on, in the room right now, say audacious prayers. Audacious prayers. Now, if you're joining us for the first time or you've missed the memo, today is day 14 of our 21-day church-wide fast. Day 14. So uh, last week I I asked people if you missed the the memo and you missed the 21-day fast, it's not too late. You can do a 14-day fast and I know some people jumped on board. So today I want to let you know if you've missed the 21 days, if you've missed the 14 days, it's not too late. You can still jump on board and do a seven-day fast and join with us. And the, the resources of how to do that are on the website of fasting and some and clues and, and help, helpful thoughts there. Uh, we're already hearing some significant testimonies of breakthroughs. We're hearing of families who have been restored after, 20, after decades of no contact, literally reaching out to members of our church and just wanting to reconnect after that period of time. That's the power of prayer and fasting. We're hearing of, of multiple stories of financial breakthroughs, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars being supernaturally unlocked as people are praying and believing God for breakthroughs. So I want, you, I want you to be part of just seeking God. We kicked off this fast with a, a great scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's what fasting is. Fasting is when we humble ourselves and pray, not just fast, but fast and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, come on, that's you and me. That's a promise from God. If we humble ourselves, if we seek His face, and if we pray. The amazing thing about fasting is fasting does not change God. Fasting is not a hunger strike where we go, okay, God, if you're not going to answer my prayers, I'm not going to eat. It's not like that. God already loves you. He's a good God. He's for you. He wants the best for you. Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes us. Fasting brings us in alignment to the will of God for our lives. Fasting produces things. Fasting uh, makes me more and more aware. You know, I don't know about you, but you can kind of start a fast thinking, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty close to God. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm pretty righteous. It's a little bit like me when I look in the mirror and I go, look at those muscles. I'm doing so good. I'm so fit. How amazing. And then I walk up beside someone who's a genuine unit, who's, who's, who's bulky and got all these muscles and they're loaded. And you walk up and you go, oh, okay, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And this is what fasting does for me as I seek God's face and I get closer and closer to His presence. I become more and more aware that I'm not as righteous as I thought I was. 
and I need to ask for his forgiveness and I need to let him cleanse me. That's what fasting does. I realize I don't measure up. Fasting for me helps me to reset my priorities. Fasting for me helps me to recalibrate my life. Fasting for me helps me uh, rethink about what really is important, what's of eternal significance, not just what's what's my next next meal or what am I going to do next weekend or how am I going to entertain myself or what's for pleasure. Fasting helps me realize that God has a greater purpose and priority for my life and I need to recalibrate to those purposes. Fasting helps me lose some bad habits. Come on. Maybe I'll stop eating cheesels after this fast. I'm not quite sure. Not promising or anything. But there are some other bad habits that maybe you're going to move on from and I'm going to move on from. Fasting helps us to reestablish some daily habits that have dropped off. Things that you used to do when you're on fire for God. That's what I preached about last week. You can listen to the podcast or check out YouTube. Things when you were on fire for God, you used to love to do. You used to love that reading the Word of God. You couldn't wait to read the Word of God. You couldn't wait to to spend time in worship. And fasting helps us to get back in touch with those priorities. It can help us to begin new habits. I know for me, I've always been a, a, a faster. I, I, for, many, for, for many years, I've, I've woven fasting into part of my own personal life of devotion and, and seeking God. But over the last 18 months, COVID has sort of interrupted my own habits and my own ways of doing things. And, I'm, and there have been moments where I'm like, well, if I can't go on holidays, I'm not going to fast. If I can't go overseas on this holiday for our 25th anniversary, I'm not going to fast. Or if I'm going to be in lockdown. And so I've kind of got into that habit over the last 18 months. But as we fasted already, I felt God speaking to me about uh, re- re-establishing a regular personal fast as a way of staying close to God, not just when we do church-wide fasting. And I'm praying that during this fast that you will be reestablishing some priorities or, or 21 days is a great time to set some habits with God. And so today as I talk about fasting, I want to not, not so much talk about fasting, I want to talk about prayer. Because fasting without prayer is just like a hungry, painful time. But fasting with prayer, when I'm seeking God and I'm setting some time aside and I'm putting myself in that room and shutting the door or joining with other prayer meetings, fasting is a way that we access the power of God. And there's many things that happen when in prayer. Prayer's the, I love prayer. Prayer is the journey of a lifetime. If you're new to prayer, can I encourage you, just start small and grow and learn how to, how to hang out with God. Learn how to talk to God. Learn how to, the Bible talks about, have communion or fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Learn how to worship and praise and be thankful. Learn, learn how to cast your burdens onto God and give Him those burdens. Learn how to be thankful. Learn how to give Him your anxieties and bring requests to Him. This morning, I want us to learn a little bit about audacious prayer. Prayer that moves God. Prayer that accesses heaven's power for your life and my life. I want to talk a little bit about that. And to start with, I want to deal with what I believe are two misconceptions that many of us can get stuck in because of wrong thinking or religious thinking or a way that maybe we're wired. And so I'm going to deal with two misconceptions that maybe can get you stuck 
in your prayer life? Are we ready to go right now? All right. So the first one is this. Those of you who are watching online, just put some, something in the chat right now and just say, I, I'm, I'm leaning into prayer. I'm going after audacious prayer. Melbourne, do the same. Talk to one another right now. Number one is this. Repentance is not a destination. Repentance is not a destination. I believe God doesn't want you and I to get stuck in repentance. I don't believe He wants us to live in the living room of repentance. I don't believe the throne room of access to God is all about repentance. Now listen, stay with me right now. I'm going to help some people right now. Acts chapter 3 verse 18 says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Why? That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I believe sometimes we can get so stuck in repentance that we don't move beyond repentance for times of refreshing for what God's actually got for us. Uh, repentance is, is not a place that you live all the time. It's, a, it's somewhere you go. Repentance, for those of you who are new to this concept, repentance is when God's Holy Spirit convicts us and a godly sorrow flows up within us. There's, there's the worldly repentance is I got busted and I'm sorry I did that and got busted. That's not repentance. I'm sorry that I got busted for speeding. That's not repentance. That's like... Oh, I got a speeding fine. That's, that's worldly sorrow. Uh, that wasn't a confession, just so you know right now. Well, not this week anyway, so just, just keep moving along. But godly sorrow comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like it's, oh, I've, I've hurt God. I've got close to Him and realized that uh, that's not the way He wants me to behave. And a godly sorrow comes up from within inside. And then we, with repentance, we confess our sin to the Lord. And we, we say, I'm so sorry. We do it with a brokenness and a sorrow. We, we confess our sin to others. And then after a while, once you've done that, there comes a peace on the inside. I'm right with God now. I'm cleansed and I'm forgiven. I remember, uh, you, you, can have, uh, you can have a season of repentance. Repentance can last days or even weeks. As a 19-year-old, uh, having grown up in a Christian church for many, many years, I went away for a, a specific encounter kind of event, like a powerhouse conference type of experience. And I went away, and as I went away, I listened to someone for the very first time preach about the fear of God. And about how God calls us to holiness. And I found the Holy Spirit just nudging, tugging on my heart. And I did my best to try and ignore it. But as He tugged on my heart, I found God putting His finger in my chest and saying, That's you, John. You're proud. You're, you're treating others differently to yourself. You're thinking of yourself more highly than others. And I got a, a glimpse or a picture of what that did to God and what that did to others and how, how just that sucked in His sight. And so I got, went into a season of, of repentance by the Holy Spirit. I would, I, I would weep before God. 
I came home and confessed to my parents and, and told them I was sorry with tears. I shared with my small group and then our young adults ministry that I was part of. God has been convicting me. And again, it was with tears. And it was a, a season of repentance where God was dealing with something in my life. Remember when Isaac Sansom, who's one of the preachers and young adults in our church here on the Sunshine Coast, uh, came back to Christ after living wild for, for a while. And every time I would see him for a number of weeks at church, he would just be weeping because God had broken his heart because of the, the pain that he'd caused him when he turned away from God. There was true godly repentance going on. And in that season, there's a powerful cleansing by God. And that can be a season that God takes us through. And, and we don't want to push out of that, but we want to lean into that if that's where God's got you right now. There's a powerful cleansing. However, that is not the normal Christian daily life. There are seasons that will come and go. And, and if you get a little caught up, you can go thinking, well, that's how I need to live my whole life. Always down on myself. Always trying to second guess myself. What sin have I done? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy for your presence anymore. And you, you can get one truth and overemphasize. If any truth overemphasized leads to error. And so if we overemphasize repentance and not the grace and righteousness of God, we can live under a cloud that God never intended us to emphasize. So part of uh, repentance is part of our daily prayer life. And I imagine, I imagine it like this. I imagine that if you were to come to my home, uh, that, that you would go through a kind of process of through the gate, through the door, through the little foyer or alcove, uh, into the lounge room, into the kitchen. There'd be just different ways you'd come into my home. And I imagine prayer a little bit like that. When I come into the gates, the Bible says do it with thanksgiving and praise. Come through the courts with praise. When I come to pray and seek God, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the gate or the door. So my access to my God in prayer and your access to God in prayer is not your righteousness, it's Jesus. Jesus made us right with God. So I can come and God's like, awesome, glad you've come to my house in prayer because Jesus makes you righteous to do that. He doesn't yell at you, don't come in until you get your life right. He's not saying to you today, you can't be a Christian until you get your life right. He's like, no, I give you the righteousness that you don't deserve because Jesus paid the price for it at the cross. But what I do imagine is there, there comes a moment every day in prayer, and it's a little bit like the front, the little, you know when you walk into someone's house, and, and most of us have got this little alcove, this little foyer, you hang the keys, you, you know, you, there's, sometimes there's some shoes there, might be a hat rack, might be a mirror. And so often a little house has this, this little entryway and you walk in and often you're like, hmm, should I take my shoes off or shoes on? Is it a shoes off or shoes on house? Or if I've got some stuff on my feet, I've just got to get it all off before I come into the house. That's what I be believe repentance is on a daily basis. I come through the door of Jesus and then I say, Lord, I just want you to clean me today. And it's like Peter when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, don't wash, don't, don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, I need to wash your feet. And he goes, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. And Jesus goes, no, you're already clean. You just need your feet washed today. 
And when you come into God's presence in prayer, you're already cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You just need to go, well, what have I done, Lord, that's not up to your standard? Just push, push on me, Holy Spirit. And then you don't, you don't spend the rest of your time communing with God in that little room. Come down to my repentance room, God. He's like, no, come over here to the throne room. That's where I am. Don't live in repentance. Pass through repentance. Let it shape who you are. But you can come boldly. This is The Bible tells us very clearly, first of all, because of Christ and our faith in Him, Ephesians 3.12, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So the, 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 the way we start audacious prayers is knowing we come through Jesus. He makes me right. I come through and I ask for cleansing of any, any sin I've had in the last, you know, since I prayed last. Oh God, shine the light on it. I want to get right with you. And then I come and I go, now, hey, here I am. I'm bold. I'm cleansed. I'm righteous, and I can, I can pray bold prayers as a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ. So for some of you, when you begin to pray, not, you don't need, if you're feeling guilty whenever you pray, and you've confessed your sin to God, I want to tell you that feeling of guilt that you've got is not from God, it's from the other guy. He's trying to, if you're like, oh, when God sees me, he just sees my past. He just sees my mistakes. He just sees that 50 years I ran away from him and didn't obey him and then and then I became a Christian. So so I've got some I've got some penance to do. Bah. Not biblical. I've got to earn my way into God answering my prayers. Bah. Not the way it works. You're righteous. Repentance is, a, is a, not a destination, it's a pathway of the journey. So what you've got to do is if you're feeling embarrassed or apologetic about stuff you've asked God's forgiveness for, then that's the devil and you need to bind him in the name of Jesus and then speak the word of God and let me give it to you. Someone needs this today, 1 John 1, 9. You just speak this out loud and you have to do it and do it until the guilt goes. If we confess our sins to him, 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's what he will do. Don't get stuck in repentance. The second thing I want to tell you, the second mistake. So if the first one is repentance is not a destination, the second is this, is humility is not an external appearance. Okay, just stay with me. Melbourne, stay with, online, just stay with me. Humility is not an external appearance. Jesus comes to the Pharisees who are fasting, and then he teaches everybody else, say, don't do it like this, do it like this. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them from their fasting. They're trying to look humble. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, come on, there's a tip for somebody today, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father. Now that's personal fasting, corporate fasting, we're telling each other, encouraging each other, who knows what you're doing private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. 
So too often what we think, there's a religious kind of thinking that humility is an external appearance. That there is a personality of humility. It's almost like I need to lose my personality to look like I'm humble. I need to become a vanilla kind of Christian. Not Millie Vanilli, a vanilla kind of Christian. And I lose my, and, and so we, we're like, oh, I need to appear to be humble by the way I talk. When someone says, hey, that was awesome what you did. You used your gift and you encouraged people. You go, oh, 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 not me. No, that was the Lord. No, it was you and the Lord. The Lord spoke to me just recently. This is like an awesome truth bomb that God dropped when I was just waiting on him just recently. He said, you don't need to repent for your personality. You don't need to repent. Oh, someone needs to hear that, that today. You don't need to repent for your personality. There is not a personality type of a humble Christian. So if you're loud, baby, be loud. If you're fun and crazy, be fun and crazy. If you're quiet and reflective, be quiet and reflective. If, if, you're, if you're outgoing, be outgoing. If you're introverted, be introverted. If, you're, if you like to live life on the edge, live on the edge. There's a big boundary within God. Live within your personality. Be colorful. Be creative. Be, be what God's created you to be. Don't go thinking, I've got to get clothed with this humble kind of thing. What's that all about? It's false humility, thinking I'm going to get right with God. The way you get right with God, humility is not an external thing. It's not an external appearance. It's an internal appearance. It's, humility is expressed through prayerfulness. The opposite of humility is pride, and probably the greatest indication of pride is prayerlessness. I don't need God, so I'm not going to pray. Uh, those things that are happening in my life, they're because of me, so I'm not going to thank Him. I don't need God. So, so humility is not a look. Humility is a state of the heart that God sees in private and rewards us for. Don't ever, don't ever get confused when someone's got some boldness on them, when someone's got some, some, some you know, jasper, whatever, I'm making up words right now, when someone's got something going on in their life and you're like, oh, they should just be shut up and be more humble. Shutting up and being humble don't necessarily belong in the same corner. Someone needs to hear that. Now, sometimes they do. As long as we're not hurting other people and we're being sensitive and not over the top and not going, oh, that's just my personality. Actually, no, that was sin. Just, just, just little disclaimer on the side there for someone right now. But ultimately, at the end of the day, humility is an internal attitude where we get on our knees and say, God, you're doing stuff in my life and I'm so grateful. Every good gift that's happening in my world is because of you, my heavenly Father, and I honor you. And I'm not God. Don't you go dialing down your personality to, because you thought that's not what a Christian looks like. 
Oh, someone needed to hear that today. Here we go. So audacious prayers. You're not, you're not stuck in repentance and you're not trying to pretend to be humble. You're not sort of going, oh God, uh, if it's your will, I don't want to bother you. I'm so humble, so I'm happy to go without. Audacious prayers. No, as a child of God, as his children, as his sons and daughters, he wants you to come and all the other types of prayer I've talked about, waiting, praising, casting burdens, connecting, fellowshipping, having time with God. But there's a component where God says, it's okay to bring your requests. That verse we started with, I will hear from heaven. I'll hear your prayers. So what are the prayers? They're your audacious prayers right now. They go like this. I love, this is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, Jabez. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says this, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Okay, there's a lot of moms that are like, That's what I should have called my kid. Oh my gosh, it's a little too raw, caused me some pain. Middle name Jabez, there's a tip for somebody right here today. All right, Jabez, he caused me pain. The poor kid, imagine him growing up, goes to school. Jabez, oh, be kind to your mother, son. Don't cause her pain. But Jabez, that's his name. And this is what it says, verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. Get this at the end, that I may not cause pain. It's like, just because that's the way you started doesn't mean that's the way you have to end, somebody. Just because you used to be that kind of person doesn't mean that's who you're going to be now. Your prayer is, God, I used to hurt people. Now I want to help people. It's the prayer of the, of the redeemed and the chosen one. And Jabez prays this prayer. And God says he's more honorable. And the Bible records his honor because he prays a prayer that says, Oh, bless who? Me. You're like, hang on a minute, Jabez. Not being very humble, are you? Not being very repentant, are you? Don't you know you're supposed to live in that line? He's like, no, God likes it. If your heart's right, if you're seeking first the kingdom, if, you're, if your alignment is to heaven, he goes, you can pray, God bless me. Just don't make that the only prayer you pray. But you can pray, God, would you, would you answer my prayer? Would you enlarge my territory? Would you expand my, fa my family? Would you bless my children? Would you enlarge my business? Would you prosper what you've put my hand to? Would you bring my, my prodigal back to you? Oh, God, audacious prayers. That would be a cool, just a, two verses in the Bible would be pretty cool to get your, your name. Two verses, and because you prayed audacious prayers. Let me give you the, uh, the memory verse of the week for our church. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. If the guys could put it up on the screen right now, you get your phones out, save this to your, your phone. It's your screensaver. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. This is, a, this, this is the, the secret of audacious prayer, is that I'm not going to stop until you bless me. I'm not going to give up until you bless me. I'm, I'm not going to uh, give you a break, God. 
I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6 and 7. O Jerusalem, I've posted watchmen on your walls. They'll pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. That's audacious. Three stories Jesus told, or three times Jesus taught about prayer, and two of them. One, he said, be like the crazy widow who harassed the judge to get what was hers. He said, that's how you should pray. Harass, remind, get in God's face, cry out to him day and night. And then the other was a friend at midnight. He talks about, the, the Bible actually uses the words shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. Audacious prayers, just, Lord, you haven't answered yet, but I'm asking. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm asking for that breakthrough you promised. I'm asking for that husband to come to Christ. I'm asking for my son, my daughter to come back to you. It looks impossible, but I'm asking. I'm asking you to light up the path of my life with the clear purpose that you've got for me. I'm asking for you for a move of God. Come on, church, we've got some radical, audacious prayers. I'm asking for a 1,000 people to get saved in a year until one day we see a 1,000 people saved in a weekend. I'm asking for revival. I'm asking for a move of God. I'm asking, and I'm going to keep on asking, and I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to be shameless in my persistence. If he hasn't answered you, it's not because of your appearance of non-humility. It's probably just about persistence and audacious prayers. Can we close our eyes together right now? Father, we just thank you that you're moving in our midst. Lord, as a church, as we fast, as we seek you, for those who are joining with us today online, I'm asking that you would just bust open religious mindsets that keep us thinking small and praying small prayers. Help us, Lord, to pray Jabez kind of prayers. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge the place of my territory. Increase our sphere of influence. Increase the anointing of God on our lives. Increase the favor of God. Enlarge us, we pray. I'm asking for every person. I pray particularly right now for those who are in some form of lockdown or restriction. Those who are sick at home, I pray for the power of God to touch them right where they are. Those who have been under a cloud of heaviness and depression, let it lift right now in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to hand you back. Those of you in Melbourne and online, I'm handing you back to your location, pastors. God bless you as you go through the rest of your service.